he said, whatever you preach on will manifest. Whatever you preach on, you'll manifest. And so some people, they, they preach on gloom and despair, and so it manifests. Right? Uh, but if you want joy, then you've got to preach on joy, and it'll manifest. If you want to preach on victory, you, uh, you preach on victory, and it'll manifest. And so uh, we've been preaching on worship. Amen? And we're believing that it's manifesting in us afresh and anew. Amen. I want to talk to you today. I, what did I tell you this was going to be called? They're gone. All right. Well, it's going to be called something. I want to go to Psalms chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. We'll read verses 1 and 2. Psalms chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. And it says this. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. And out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Amen. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants. He speaks to us and says, anybody can do this. Amen? Anybody can do this. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have more power than your enemy. Glory to God. Because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the adventure. Avenger. That word strength there means boldness. It means loud. It means might and also power. Praise is not an act that will, uh, it, of will that is not merely just exuberance of an overflow of some kind of words that we have put together. But it is self-induced declaration of giving thanks to God and it has with it a sacrifice. And so what has been taught in the church all of these years is that you praise God whenever you feel something, that, that's good. It's only good two times it's proper to praise God, when you feel it and when you don't. Amen. But it is not true that the only time you praise God is when you have this exuberance, overwhelming feeling of excitement or anticipation. Because whenever Jesus came, he did away with every sacrifice except the sacrifice of praise. And so if there is a sacrifice involved, that means that it isn't always a feel good. It isn't something that because of a result of which you have had in your life, but it means that you haven't got what you want, but you praise him anyhow. You, you haven't seen the results, you haven't seen the things that you desire to see, but, but you, out of a sacrifice of praise, and because you know it's right, and because you know he is worthy, you give him some kind of praise. Amen? In Matthew chapter 21 and verse 12, you know this story very well. Jesus has uh, just 
come into the city and he says in, in verse 12, then Jesus went to the temple of God and drove out those who had bought and sold in the temple and turned over the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Now, how many have been going to church long enough that, uh, you know, when we used to have those Southern gospel groups and things like that in, and they'd have their albums and cassette tapes and all of that, that uh, they would say, use this scripture to say, don't be selling that stuff in church. You can sell it out on the parking lot. <laughs> Or you can sell it out on the sidewalk, but don't be bringing it up in the church. And they would use this scripture, but the reality of it is, as you probably well know by now, that, that this is not what was going on. What he says, you've made it a den of thieves because the people would travel for long distances to come to worship. And so they, these people were set up in the temple and say the dove would normally at a town cost you a dollar they would charge you three dollars and they would put part of it in and then they would keep the other two dollars for themselves and they were making money off of people's worship right and so this is what uh, got Jesus upset this was not the first time he came to the temple and saw this as you would study this out you would realize he'd been there before he said you better quit this it ain't right and now he shows up again here they are and he brings the whip right and he's, he turns over the money the tables you know I mean no Jesus is ticked <laughs> they done got on his bad side and it wasn't, he just wasn't walking in there saying, oh, let me turn the table over. No, no, things were flying. They done, they done pushed Jesus too far, and now he's about to clean house. And he goes in, and he does this, and he said to them, it is, excuse me, it is written, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then watch this, after there was a cleansing, after there was a, a, a removal of that kind of mentality, that kind of mindset of self-promotion uh, and, and, and um, being able to advance their self, he said once there was a purity in the house, a cleansing of the house, then, everyone say then. Then the blind, the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and what is the chief priest and the scribes? It's the religious sect of the day, right? The religious people that were praying out loud so in the marketplace so everybody could hear them. He said these, are, when they seen all of this and uh, the scribes and saw these wonderful things he did, and they, the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant in their hearts and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you not read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? So Jesus reaches back into Psalms and the Psalms and he quotes what was written in the 8th chapter of Psalms reminding these religious people of what was, uh, the babes were to do and that was to give God a perfected praise. Isn't it interesting and also awesome to watch an a innocent child that hears music 
when an innocent child hears music, they don't have any thought of what somebody else is doing or what someone else thinks. It's the natural thing for a child whenever they hear upbeat music to start dancing. They start moving. Is it true? Nobody has to show them a dance. Nobody has to show them how to break it down. They just get the boogie in, right? That's because they don't, they don't have, they're not thinking about uh, who they're impressing. They're not think, they just feel it, right? And they're just putting movement to the feeling that they have. And I believe that's what we see when we look at John, the beloved, and, and we see that he is much younger than all the other disciples. And, and throughout all of the time that they spent with Jesus, John, you know, he, would, uh, he was so innocent and he was so young and he, he didn't care what other people thought, right? And so he was the one that would come and lay his head on Jesus' chest. Right? He was the one that, that Jesus loved. He was the one that was, would show his affection toward Jesus while, you know, the strong Peter and while all the, the, the uh, Jameses and all of the Matthews and the Bartholomew, all of them, you know, big boastful men, they, they weren't going to do nothing like that. And sometimes I think we just grow up too much. We get too adult. We get calloused. Doesn't life have a way of callousing you? Huh? Ain't nobody going to be real today. It has a way of callousing us. It has a way of uh, us not wanting to express our emotions or our feelings to another individual or to uh, people or to God for that matter. Because we become callous and we become hardened and, and we're afraid of what other people are going to think. But when Jesus talks about worship here in, in this particular place, he, he speaks to us of a child. He speaks to us of one that is yet uh, still nursing. And he says, they bring me a perfected praise. Somebody that when Jesus uh, becomes into their presence, they begin to worship him. And I tell you today, that's the kind of worship that we ought to have. We ought not be here today to try to uh, please someone else or to see what somebody else thinks about us or what we're wearing or the clothes that we have or how we're singing a song, but we are serenading heaven. It's, it's him. You've heard it over and over. It's the audience of one, and he's the only one that really matters. He's the only one that really counts. And so when I begin to worship him, I, I, I hope it's a beautiful sound. I hope it's a Okay, I hope it's on tune, but if it's not, it's not about you anyways. It's about the one in which I am in love with, the one that I adore, the one who has been so good to me that I believe that he's worthy of me getting up on a Sunday morning and dressing up a little bit and coming up over here to the house of the Lord and lift up a hand without wrath and the other without doubt and say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house house of the Lord. Can you give him some praise today? Amen. It's this kind of praise throughout the scripture that we uh, see time and time again. We see that it brings deliverance to the people of God. And, and so often we want to wait until we see the victory to shout. But, but you see, we're in an upside down kingdom, aren't we? 
Jesus said, if you want to go up, you've got to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and he will raise you up in due season. We're in an upside down kingdom that if you want to be blessed, you've got to first be a blessing. Right? We're in an upside down kingdom that, that we prefer our brothers. If we want to be the head, then we have to submit to those who are uh, over us. So it is an upside down kingdom. But when we look at worship, it is something that doesn't make sense. But it is a spiritual element in our life in which we do. And as we do, we see the results or the fruit of our worship. Not because something has already happened, but because something is yet to happen. And I, I'm sure today that you can worship God based upon what he's already done in your life, can't you? I mean, he saved you, he's healed you, he's helped you, he's delivered you, he's given you financial blessing, he's, he's been there for you, huh? And so we could certainly praise him on what he has done, but there's another type of praise, and that is to praise him for what we have yet to see. And that's exactly what happened in Joshua chapter 6 when the Bible says that now uh, Jericho was uh, constrained or sh shut up and, the, and none of the children of Israel could come in or go out. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand, the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. He tells him this while there are still walls around the city. He tells them this while these walls are cannot be penetrated, are still standing tall and bold. But God tells Joshua, I have given you Jericho. I have given you the kings thereof. My question today is, what has God told you that he has given you, but you've yet to get your hands on it? He tells him, I've given you the city, I've given you mighty men of valor, and you shall march around the city, and you know this story, you men of war, and you shall go around the city once and do it for six days. The seven priests shall bear the seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the ark, and the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpet and shall come to pass that when you hear the long blast of the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat and the people shall go up every man before him. But it came to pass on the seventh day that he arose early in the, in the about dawn of the day and he marched around the city seven times in the same manner. And on the day only they marched around the city seven times and the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpet of, and that Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Right? And so the people shouted and when the priest blew the uh, trumpets and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpets that the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat and then the people went up to, into the city, every man straight before him and he took the city. Amen. God, as when we release a worship or a sound of praise because I told you last week that praise is the sound of freedom, right? When you, you have something on the inside of you, but there is walls around it. Your, your answer, your promise is not on the outside, but it is on the inside. And what you have uh, to say has weight and it has power. 
what you say has weight and has power. That's the reason when the enemy wants to keep you from worshiping God, the enemy wants you to keep your mouth shut. There are times when it's okay. There are seasons in your life when it's better to keep your mouth shut and just walk by faith around the Jericho wall. But there comes a time when there must be a shout. There must be a cry. There has to, there has to be a release of a sound for something to take place. Your words start with a sound. A baby starts talking as a result of hearing a sound. Right? The Bible warns us against strange sounds, strange uh, sounds of, of strange doctrine, of teaching that doesn't agree in your spirit. But there's also good sounds. There's sounds from heaven that you might never have heard before, but when it hits your spirit, your spirit agrees with the sound in which you heard. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Sound is prophetic. It travels ahead of you. Right? When my kids come home or whenever Renee comes home and I'm there by myself, I always know that they're there not because I see them, but because I always hear them first. Because the sound penetrates through the walls. Amen. It goes through the darkness. Sound, your words tell what's on the inside of you. Right? Your words tell what's on the inside of you. You know, whenever a woman is pregnant for the first few weeks, you don't know she's pregnant. There isn't no sign that she's pregnant. I know it's probably a woman thing and probably shouldn't say nothing about it, but I, I get amused at all these people, that women that take pictures and they're holding the belly. I don't know if that's so that people don't think they're just getting fat. And they want people to know I'm carrying a baby. But I understand that whenever it's out there, you know, kind of like mine is. But whenever you ain't seeing nothing and you're holding your belly, they just think you ate too much pizza. <laughs> Amen. But in that first, what, 18, 20 weeks, you don't know that they're pregnant. But around the 20th week, if my memory ser serves me right, they start doing what they call an ultrasound. It reveals what's on the inside of her that has not yet come to the outside, right? By sound waves, they can tell you if you've got one baby, two babies, maybe three babies, right? They can tell by sound waves if it's a male or a female. Ultrasound is not light shining in on you. It is a sound that's inside of you. It's a sound wave that is set to the right frequency. And when that right frequency is set, they can tell what's on the inside of your womb. They've got what they call an echocardiogram. It is an ultrasound that's set to a different frequency to find out what's in your heart. By setting the frequency to different levels, they can look at it and are able to see the different organs and see what's on the inside of you. And it's all done by sound. And when you speak, you're giving voice to the sound that is on the inside of you. 
So what's on the inside of you right now? I can tell you by what I can tell you what's on the inside of you by talking to you for five minutes. If there's a sound of defeat, if there's a sound of discouragement, if there is a sound of, of, of fear, if there's a sound of worry, it will come out of your mouth. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And he gives voice to what is in his heart through his words. But the same is true that if there is victory in your soul, if there is victory in your heart, if you are triumph, it will come out. You will know that there is victory. If you're defeated on the inside, it'll show up through how you talk. Amen. I can't never win. I'm always a day late and a dollar short. Nobody will help me. Everybody's against me. It just never works out for me. Always me. Look at me. How come it's... And I'll go ahead and say this. If you're defeated on the inside, you'll never be able to have victory on the outside. You've got to get victory in your spirit before you can ever get victory in the natural. If you speak, if you're speaking that today and you're speaking about a negative or you're speaking about positive, I can tell you with 100% accuracy what your tomorrow is going to look like. Why? Because the Bible says that I am framing my world, how? By my words. In other words, I'm predicting, I'm prophesying my future every time that I'm talking. Because your words are prophetic. Proverbs, I believe, chapter 23 and verse 7, he said, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 6 and 2, he said, You're snared by the words of your mouth. Right? So you don't need to fear the devil. You just need to watch your mouth. Come on, somebody. People worried about witches and warlocks and people worried about all kinds of devilish things. No, I'm not worried about no roots. I'm not worried about no powder. I'm not worried about no trance. I'm worried about Brian Matthews' mouth. Because it's the only thing that can clip me off course. It's the only thing that can set chart and lead me in a different way. So whenever I'm prophesying, when I'm speaking, I'm not, I choose not to speak the things of negative, the things of doubt, the things of disbelief, the things of discouragement. But I set my mind to believe God and declare the word of the Lord so that my future looks brighter than my now. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, it said, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are not seen were not made of things which do appear. In other words, it wasn't something God didn't just have a little something to work with and he created everything. No, there was nothing but the power of his word. Amen. And when there's nothing, God uses words to declare what he will have tomorrow. Amen. Is it not true? There was no sun until God said, let there be light. 
There was no land until God said, let the land separate the waters and the seas and let it be called dry ground. God orders all these things by his word. His word has no expiration date on it. You wonder why the grass is green this morning? It's because God said. He doesn't have to re-say something. When he releases his word, it continues to manifest. You wonder why nobody had to tell the sun to shine this morning? It's because God said, let there be light. Right? He declared it, and when he declared it, it, that word has no expiration date. And so his creative power was released when he said it, and it's still creating today. Glory to God. When you want to find something in the water for all the fishermen, they find sound waves, right? Or fish finders. They don't use light to find the Titanic. They use the sonar, right? sends sound waves which they were able to identify and they were able to locate something by a sound wave. And so that's the reason why Israel went on 13 times around this city. 13 is the, is the number of revolt. 13 is the number of revolution. And they had a spirit of revolution on the inside of them and they had a spirit of victory on the inside of them and even though the natural circumstances said you're a failure you're a loser you're left outside the city and you'll never have the victory on the inside of them they had a a a a revolution a militant spirit they had a spirit of victory on the inside that said this city belongs to us amen And when they opened their mouth, it was not weak. They didn't offer up a half-dead praise. Huh? They didn't say, Oh, Lord, I'm trying. I really want to believe you, but please, walls come down. No, no. The Bible said they shouted. Shouted. Now, now I'm not talking about the kind of shout you hear at church, because that's weak. I'm talking about the kind of shout you hear at the football game. <laughs> I'm talking about the kind of shout that you have whenever people have won the victory, when they have won the championship, when they have finished the course, when they have, have your, your team has won the championship and you release a shout, you release a rejoicing, jubilee, a praise because your team has won, right? And I know that that used to be in the church and I know that we need to bring it back. But I want you to get in your mind today that this isn't no weak praise. This isn't no half-baked praise. But they were there to shout and make an announcement to their enemy on the other side of this impetuable wall that we're about to come for you. 
We're about to come for you and because God has already given you into our hand. Amen. And they were declaring their future. They were saying when they shouted, they said, we know today we're on the outside, but tomorrow we're going to be on the inside. We know today it looks like the king has the city locked up, but tomorrow the walls are going to come down and we tomorrow will own this city and we'll have the king in our hand. You see, you've got to get something on the inside of your spirit that you believe the word of the Lord. You believe the promises of God and begin to declare it even in the face of your adversary and let the enemy know you believe the word of the Lord over your life stronger than you believe the wall that is separating you right now and you begin to declare by faith let them think you're crazy let them think that you done lost your mind but you go ahead and put something into the future you begin to prophesy over it and declare my son and my daughter will be saved they will hear the word of the Lord and they will rejoice you declare that my whole house will serve the Lord you declare that I'm the head and not the tail you declare that I am victorious through and by the blood of Jesus Christ why because you believe his word over the situation that you're facing right now so if what's on the inside of you today isn't what you want it to be they do ultrasounds to locate the foreign growth I know y'all wondering where in the world's he going. I know where I'm going. They use an ultrasound to find foreign growth, right? Cancer. You know all that cancer is is one rebellious cell. And I, this is the s- smallest form my little pea brain can figure out. But cancer is, a, is one rebellious cell that gets a r- other group of rebellious cells to agree with it and becomes a mass. They form together and they fight against the body. Sounds like the devil to me. I'm going to ascend high above the throne. I'm going to get this worship. I'm going to get this praise. Huh? The shout locates their promise. Their promise was not on the outside of the walls, their promise was on the inside of the walls. Your praise locates your promise. I'm gonna say that again. Your praise locates your promise. When you begin to praise God, you, it begins to draw you into a place where that, that you can experience and you know where your promise is. Your praise will travel to where you cannot see. Your praise will travel ahead of you. Your praise will penetrate through the strongholds and the walls that have been limiting you and holding you back for years perhaps. Your shout will locate your promise and begin to bring forth what you believe that God said was yours. Amen. And so the sound that comes out of you, it it is two pictures. Number one, it's a picture of what's on the inside of you now. Whatever's on the inside of you is what is, 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 uh, comes out of you is what is in you right now. You can't change that. But you can change what's in you. 
Huh? You can change what's in you. If you don't like the sound coming out, then change what's on the inside. Right? The second thing, it's a picture of your future. It's a picture of your tomorrow. So if you sit around and you listen to yourself, most people don't listen to themselves talk, but if you sit around and listen to yourself talk, you'll have a picture of your tomorrow. Amen. I'm just going to stop here long enough to tell you I'm preaching a whole lot better than you letting on. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you're coming out of your mouth, hee-haw, Christianity, gloom, despair, and agony on me, then guess what your tomorrow's going to be? Gloom, despair, and agony. But if you can rise above the circumstances and put faith in your heart and begin to believe God for what he has said to you through prayer or through his word, then you can change your tomorrow. That's what they did on the day of Pentecost. They gave voice to the sound that was on the inside of them. There was a sound. It wasn't from, uh, from them. It was from heaven. And it came as a mighty rushing wind and filled all of them that were in the house, right? It, it wasn't nothing like they had heard before. But when they gave voice to the sound, it caused them to step into something they had never stepped into before. I will tell you today the sound of this many times is opposite of what you're hearing. The sound is different that, that you have on the inside of you. I can't tell you the times that in prayer I've heard a sound. I've heard the rustling of the mulberry bush. I've heard wheel, a wheel that was turning inside of a wheel. I heard revival. I've heard the things of the Spirit and nothing on the natural realm looked like that could ever happen. But when I begin to believe God, begin to declare it, I begin to speak it forth, suddenly God would begin to shift things in the natural because it had already manifested in the Spirit. And I want to say to you that when you see that it's in direct opposition, to everything that you see, you hear, you feel, you look at, I declare to you, good chance is it's the Spirit of God that's being spoken into your life and saying that you have the boldness to declare it, I have the power to perform it, and I will do it in your life. Glory to God. Here's where it is. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Sometimes it takes great faith to speak what you're hearing on the inside. Because you have no evidence whatsoever. That what you hear is happening right now. Amen. But if you'll speak it, it'll go. It'll seek the promise and it'll begin to form your tomorrow. And when it forms your tomorrow, your words will become a reality. Amen. I call into heaven and earth the record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose. Therefore, choose. Choose what? Life or death. 
blessing or cursing. That you and your seed may live. So your words are not just, and and I'm almost done, Amy. Your words are not just about me. My words are preparing a future for my son and my daughter. Is that what the word said? Choose life that both you and your seed may live. So it's not just about me, but I've got to choose my words so that not just I can live, not just that Renee can live, but Jordan and Destiny and Michaela and their children can live. Amen. Praise is so powerful. Worship is so powerful. People have downplayed it. People have said it's just a lot of hype and emotionalism. People say you don't need all of that. And look where it's got us. A church that used to be alive and vibrant could easily be mistaken for a mortuary. People that serve a living Christ but don't have nothing to say. Hmm? If you would look at the external, it would look like folk that are out drinking and partying in the world are having a whole lot more fun than people up in the church. Ain't nobody gonna say nothing. You know it's the truth. What are you saying? I'm saying we need to restore our voice back. We need to get our praise back. We need to prepare. And even if it isn't right right now, the moment that we begin to open our mouth and declare what we know to be true inside of us, our future's going to change. So it's all right to thank God on credit. It's all right to praise Him on credit. It's all right to put something in the atmosphere that creates an a, 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 a atmosphere in which God will move. Right? As I've seen a lot of miracles in 38 years, but I've never seen a miracle where people weren't worshiping. I've seen a miracle without preaching. I've seen miracles without super-duper, holier-than-thou preachers. I've seen miracles whenever there wasn't even a church service. But I've never seen it where they weren't people worshiping. Why? Because it creates an atmosphere where God works. I told you I was done, didn't I? Wonder why he created the angels before he created anything else? Because he needed worship to work. I'm talking to somebody right now. He needed worship to work. And the angels were crying, holy, holy, holy. And as they were worshiping him, he began to work. (laughs) He began to release his word. He began to do things, amen, and create everything. And out of of chaos, he created cosmos because he, people, the angels were worshiping him. 
Why did the prophet say, bring me a minstrel? Bring me a worshiper. And out of that worship, he, as they began to worship, the word of the Lord came clear to him. I'm telling you, when people begin to worship, the gifts of the Spirit begin to flow, signs and wonders and miracles. The power of God is manifest in our presence and in our lives. Why? Because the atmosphere is created. And we create the atmosphere every time we come in this house. We choose the flow of the Spirit every time we come in this house. We didn't come in here and, and just like a big lottery ticket and said, you, ding, 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 you're the winner today. No, God's bigger than that. But He habits the praise of His people. And when we create an atmosphere with our worship, no matter how bad the week is, no matter what we're facing, but we choose to put a praise in the atmosphere, we're beginning to prophesy into our tomorrow that'll shift everything in our lives. So it's an act of faith, isn't it? Worship is an act of faith, not because necessarily because of my feelings. Oh, it's great to feel it. But sometimes you just got to praise him on credit. Say you're good with me. <laughs> Haven't seen it yet. Even though I don't see it. Even when I don't feel it. Huh? He's working. I come to declare to somebody today he's working in ways that you don't even see. He's put it in your heart, maybe just a whisper in your heart, but you know it's real. You know that God's work, amen. The devil says he, he ain't, you ain't never going to see your family saved. The devil says you're never going to get out of this situation or this circumstances. But down inside of your spirit, you heard a little whisper. You heard a little whisper. You heard a little something. That, that, and if you'll stir up worship today, that thing will get bigger until that voice gets louder and louder. And the more you praise God on that little whisper, the stronger that word's going to come in your life. And faith is going to rise and you're going to see the goodness of God in your future. Hallelujah. Stand with me today.